it jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome, welcome to the Raptors beat. Josh and Nikki here with you for another edition. I know what you're thinking, but it's Wednesday, not Thursday. The Raptors beat usually drops on Thursday, but the Raptors playing their last game tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves before breaking away for the all-star break. Sunny destinations await the Raptors, Josh. You could argue, actually, that they didn't. They're already on their all-star break because they didn't really show up <laughs> on Monday against New Orleans. But nonetheless, they're playing their last game tonight. Fred Van Vliet, as we know, will be in Cleveland for the All-Star Weekend. And we have a special guest today coming up at 1025. Freddie All-Star's mom, Susan Danforth, will be joining us to talk all things Freddie. Get some great insight from her, of course. Uh, but, Josh, let's start with the wrap like we always do. Um, what a week for the Toronto Raptors. Coming off yeah. you know, a high of this win streak of theirs and then trade deadline. You go into that feeling pretty good and... After the moves that they made, Goran Dragic, they said goodbye, brought in Thaddeus Young. You know, Thursday and Friday, I was thinking, okay, you know, this Raptor squad is on a roll. I'm not too upset with what they did or didn't do at the trade deadline. And then they faced the Nuggets. And then they faced New Orleans, where they had some pretty big bigs to fight against. So how do you feel now in retrospect about the trade deadline? Do you think that they did enough? And should they have addressed their pressing need at the center spot? I think that well, there are a few pressing needs, and I don't think that they addressed any of them. So mm-hmm. I mean, especially now in hindsight, and it's still early, but I I just I don't think it was a great trade deadline for the Raptors. I, I think it was fine. I, I think it it right. wasn't terrible, but I don't think it was great. And the way the reason why I say that is, is you've got these two trade chips in the expiring contract of Goran Dragic and that first round pick that they were shopping, and. Theoretically, you wanted to use those. The goal was to use those trade chips to go out there and either bring in somebody who fit the long-term plan or bring in somebody who plugs some holes in the short-term, address some short-term needs, and ideally find someone who, who checked off both of those boxes. And I'm not sure that the Raptors did either of those things in the trade that they made. Um, I, I like Thaddeus Young a, a lot. I think he he's a very Raptorsy player, right? Like he he fits into what they do and the way that they play. He's the type of player that you can plug in, and this is why they they like the idea of bringing him in. He's the type of player you can bring in that doesn't disrupt necessarily the chemistry of of what they have in place now. He, he's complimenting it he plays the way that they like to play so if anything what they've done here is they're steering into their strengths rather than addressing their weaknesses but there are glaring weaknesses on this team um you mentioned one of them in the center position so i think positionally you look at this roster and yeah you you could use a guy there not necessarily to to have him starting at the five i don't think you need a seven footer to play especially to play the way that they want to play but as we've seen there are certain nights where you're going to need that size and i think more than anything else if you're looking at skill set the the need there is defensive rebounding that's where the raptors have have gotten hurt all year they got hurt again in that regard in, in new orleans the other night and then shooting and playmaking are obviously big needs as well for this team and one of the reasons why they've had so much trouble 
in their half-court offense. And while Thad Young does a lot of things well, he's one of those do-it-all reserve players, um, had a really good year for Chicago a couple of years ago. He doesn't address those needs in the way that I think the Raptors needed from from whatever player they were bringing in at the deadline. So I like it. I don't love it. I'm struggling right now, as a lot of people are, to picture how this rotation is going to work with all of these very similar players coming off the bench. I like that starting group of five. I think they're, I mean, especially during the win streak, they were really starting to build chemistry. But now you've got this glut of quasi-bigs that you're bringing off the bench. And I, I do think that it's a learning curve. That's going to be a work in progress for Nick Nurse and company as they figure out how to deploy that group, how to manage that rotation. And, and that's what we saw in New Orleans the other night. Yeah, obviously, you know, the jury's still out on Thad Young and what he'll be able to do. The man was saying after the game, he's like, look, I'm trying to learn five positions at the same time, offensively and defensively, just the way that the Raptors switch. And so, you know, he's a veteran. He's been in this for 15 years now. He's been in the game. He's seen some things. But, uh, yeah, he's going to have to get up to speed really quick. I think he's going to spend his all-star break just, you know, watching film and trying to understand, you know, Nick Nurse, the mad scientist. But I said the five <laughs> position in particular because after that New Orleans game uh, I want to say this is the first time Nurse has really said you know I think we need to evaluate just a little bit what we do when we go up against a big big like uh, Jokic like Jonas Valanciunas we know that he's always said you know matchups are or rotations are matchup driven he's always kind of said that but I want to say this is the first time he really said okay maybe we need to rethink things when we have uh, a big big um, and you mentioned it in that first quarter against New Orleans, we saw all three centers on the floor of Kem, Precious, and Chris Boucher. And I, I want to say it wasn't very good. It wasn't a very good look. <laughs> hopefully like, it's the last time we see it, too. Hopefully the mad scientist puts that away. Um, but there is redundancy, as you were saying, when yeah. it comes to the rotation. And so... What what are the choices here, though? Should the Raptors, do you think, need to shake up the starting lineup here? And and if so, like, what's the piece that moves out, and 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 how does how does he maneuver that? It, it's a tough call, even for somebody like Nick Nurse, who is open to tinkering and experimenting and doing different things. He's always said that he prefers the idea of keeping the starting lineup fluid, but it's always mm. just kind of been theoretical, right? Like. I'm not sure that he's ever really done it. He's talked about it, but it's easier yeah, said than said done. It, it, especially with this group, right? Because it's not like there's an obvious piece that can come out. In the past, there's been like, okay, maybe you're like power forward or your center. It's like, okay, maybe there's a weak link there where if you need to make a change, that's the guy that comes out. But this is a really tough call for a few reasons. One, because these are your five guys that you're building around, your core yeah. The yeah. guys that you're not just you don't just have in there for the present, but you're trying to get them reps and experience and confidence, obviously chemistry building for the future. And they, all five of them were crucial contributors to this team's recent run. So I don't know, like, do you take Gary Trent out of the lineup at one point early in the season? That's something we talked about. It, it, it seemed 
um, plausible at one point, but he's been so valuable. You need his shooting. You need his scoring in that lineup. Do you take Scotty Barnes out? That's probably the direction that I would lean right now, Same but here. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's something that this franchise will consider just based on how important he is to their future. It, I think if you do it, there's obviously you, you've got to finesse it in a way to him that it's going to go over well and it's going to be received well because I think you've got to be careful obviously about shattering the confidence of a young player Um, you you don't want to frame it as a permanent thing you don't want to frame it as a demotion Um, so I, I think that's probably the change that would need to be made I'm just not sure that they're interested in making it but if you don't do that yeah, I, 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 it's it's tough because you've got so many. You do have that redundancy coming off the bench to where you've got Kem and you've got Chris Boucher and you've got um, Precious Achua. Now you've got Thad Young. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know what the role for Thad is going to be. I think they're figuring that out as well. I mean, Nurse has referred to him as insurance, as somebody that might need an injury to really see significant time in, in the rotation. But that's why I question even that. Like, insurance for what? You know, because if <laughs> if Pascal, knock on wood, were to go down or, or OG, like, they've got so many guys at that position. He gives you depth, sure, but, like, the insurance they really need, like, tonight – Fred Van Vliet is questionable. If he doesn't play, like how much is the presence of Thad Young going to help you in terms of insurance at probably the with, with their most irreplaceable player in Fred Van Vliet? Dare I even say this, and people aren't going to be happy with me, but I, I almost think that Goran Dragic would have fit in better here oh. based on the Raptors' current needs than yeah. Thad Young, right? Like the shooting, the playmaking, positionally at the point guard spot, that's the type of player that the Raptors need in this rotation. And I understand what it probably wasn't ever going to happen just based on the context and the scenario and how that relationship sort of split apart very early in his tenure. Um, I, I don't want to this isn't like revisionist history of like, oh, you should have kept Goran Dragic, but that's the type of player that I I think this team should have been looking at more so than a redundant piece at the back end of their rotation, which is what Thad Young is looking like right now. Yeah, 100%. It's funny because last week we were saying, uh, well, I was saying at least, I'm like, well, they might as well go all in in this experiment if they're going to do that and get another long athletic piece. And, and here they, you know, here they, they did. But I, I agree with you on the Goran Dragic thing because what he did bring was veteran presence and leadership, um, something that they also said they didn't necessarily want to need because they, he didn't fit the plan for the Raptors. I don't want to go down that, that path again because we've exhausted that conversation. But when Thad comes in, you know, a lot of the talk was, and he's a veteran. He can help this young group, you know, <laughs> yeah. guide them. And I'm like, well, you had one. And it's funny because I was talking to OG before the Denver game. And I said to him, you know, talk to me about, you know, you have this history with, with Thad. He's known you since you were 15 years old. You played on his AAU team. Uh, what kind of a veteran presence and leadership will he bring to this team? And he interrupted me and, and immediately said, he's like, Goron was a veteran on this team too. And I was like, oh, okay. That's you're you're absolutely right. But back to that, like, and then he was like, yeah, that's going to be a great leader and all that. But I, so I thought that was, uh, that was pretty interesting, interesting. 
And maybe and it was know, a similar really... situation too, right? Like Thad was in San Antonio. He had fallen out of the rotation there. I know he was yeah. still around the team, which is more than we could say about Goran Dragic towards those last few months. But <laughs> it, it was a similar spot, and, and he spoke up a little bit too. Like I, the Spurs fans are not thrilled with with Thad Young either. He spoke up and said, "Like I'm not, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy sure. about my role." And listen, and this is sort of the defense of Goran Dragic at the time too. Is like I don't expect any of these veteran players, especially guys like Thad, is coming off a great year in Chicago, same as Goran was coming off a great year in Miami they're yeah. older players but they still have something left they definitely have their pride and they want to be a part of a rotation so I get it from their standpoint I think yeah. Thad needed the the fresh start I guess and, and I think Goron does too wherever he ends up I think probably the biggest difference here is because of what Thad Young went through in San Antonio there's such an appreciation now to be part of this team and come in and embrace this leadership role we'll see where this goes right like yeah. if he falls out of the rotation here too and he's not playing he might not be so happy to be here in a month from now <laughs> but right now he's happy to be here and that's again more than I can say about Goran Dragic so that's half the battle right you want somebody right. who that's... wants to be here you want somebody that's embracing yeah. the opportunity I'm just not quite sure how it's going to play out on the court and for how long it's going to play out on the court because uh, Thad like Goran is a pending free agent he's in his yeah. mid-ish 30s and I I'm not sure what the plan is long term in terms of keeping Thad around well I guess we'll find out over the next few months this is an audition for him <laughs> We will. It's funny because, you know, Nick was saying he doesn't want to mess up the chemistry so much. And they were already having problems integrating Ken Birch back into things because yeah. things have been flowing so well. And, and, and Nurse said, you know, I have to reward the guys who have been performing a la Precious and Chris. So now you have another guy that you're going to have to try to figure out how to get him in. But I love what Fred said. It's like, listen. He's better than the last guy because the last guy was sitting at home. <laughs> like So no matter what Thad brings to the table, it's going to be uh, something because Goron brought nothing. And that wasn't – that's not on Goron. I'm not putting it on him, obviously. You know, it's the, it's, it's a little bit on things. him. Uh, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, like if I was a veteran too and, and that clock is ticking and you want to win now, yeah, you're going to speak up. You know, you're not going to just sit on your hands and, and wait for minutes to be given to you. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate that for saying that like, he's only played three games uh, with San Antonio, but he has been working his butt off to stay in shape and to, to do all the things to be ready to go. And now he has this opportunity here. So I like that maybe he has that little fire underneath him and, and he can, uh, you know, spark the Raptors here somehow. And he's not afraid to play good. big, right? He he said that he's gone against up he's gone up against some bigs and he's he's taken on you know the Lucas and so he he wants that challenge. It's just you know can he actually hold it down is the question. Yeah, and, and it's going to take some time. Like obviously, it's going to take some time for him to learn the system, and and it's going to take some time for Nick Nurse and the coaches to figure out how to yeah. deploy it. Whenever, and this is why Masai the other day was saying, and he said this before too, he's not a huge fan of making deals at the deadline because no matter who you're bringing in, no matter how big of a deal you make, there's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be an adjustment period. Uh, theoretically, the bigger the move, the bigger the adjustment period. So because you make a complimentary type of move here, it shouldn't take as long, and because it's a veteran player you're bringing in, he should pick things up quickly. But e even in this scenario, it's still 
as we've seen, going to take some time, I think more than anything else, to figure out, okay, well, like, what's the best way to use him with what we already have? Again, they're, they're steering into what they do best. They said yeah. th- this is, and, and, and there's there's logic in that, too. I don't want to make it sound like, OK, well, they didn't address their needs. Therefore, this is a, this is a, a failed acquisition, a failed tra- trade deadline. It's way too early to make any kind of judgment like that. I, I just think you, you have the decision there where it's like, do you steer into what you do or do you steer away from it? They've made the choice to go all in on this style of play that they have on this roster construction that they have. And there's going to be pros to that. And there's going to be cons to that advantages and disadvantages. We'll just see what outweighs the other. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, the Raptors are still ahead of the game, right? They they're I think they're ahead of the curve which they ex- that they had expected themselves to be. They're 31 and what? 31 and 25 is that what we're at right now? Yeah, 31 and 25 sitting 7 in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I don't know if we could have said that, you know, at the beginning of the year when uh this experiment got things started. So, I think they're ahead of the game in that respect. Yeah, and it's it's tough in the East, right? Like, you oh, yeah. win a bunch of games and you can move up in a hurry, but you lose a few games and you can move down in a hurry. You see what Boston is doing right now, and the Raptors say. now looking looking up at them. Um, so there there isn't much room for error here. I know one of the things that the Raptors front office talked about coming out of the deadline is that draft pick, that first-round pick, didn't have as much value as it did before the winning streak because other teams were maybe devaluing it as a result of, of the winning streak, that it's going to be a little bit lower. It could be a little bit lower than what they, they thought that it would be, but, I mean, the the opposite argument could be made as well. Like, you, you lose a few games, and all of a sudden you're out of this race or you're at the bottom of this race, and then that pick is looking pretty good. And another reason why I look at this and I wonder if giving up that first-round pick, even getting back the the – Detroit second rounder if that could come back to bite them like if the best case scenario if the Raptors continue to win then yeah maybe there's only 10 spots between those two picks and it's not a big deal but there's a conceivable scenario where there's 15 to 20 spots in between them too and then maybe you do miss out on the player you like I I don't know it's it's an interesting time in the Eastern Conference for sure it is. And you're going off the, well, it's not a very deep draft. And, well, we know how that works. Um, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to be getting in this draft. And that's why that the first-round picks are so, so, so valuable. Okay, so let's keep it moving now. Let's get to the Kalos. Time to hand out some awards. Josh, you want to explain the Kalos? Yeah, I mean, well, everyone should know what the Kalos are by now, but in I case you yeah. don't, each week <laughs> we uh, award our performers of the week uh, a few Kalo points, so three points goes to our top performer, then two, then one. We keep track throughout the season of who uh, is accumulating these points. At the end of the year, we're going to have a Kalo winner. I'll, I'll start with my three points, and I'll give it to Pascal Siakam. Again, yeah. uh, it's, it's a tough week, and, and it's hard to base these decisions too much off of the last game that we saw in New Orleans. Of course, Siakam had a rough shooting night, uh, but he's not alone. Maybe he's the only one that had an excuse after getting poked in the eye. He was probably oh. seeing like three or four uh, rims, <laughs> but previous to that, a couple 30 pieces for Siakam, uh, a couple 30-point games against Denver and against Houston. Um, following up his Eastern Conference Player of the Week win with a, a nomination for Player of the Week this week. He just continues to roll along and continues to lead um, in, in terms of our Kalo Point leaderboard. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to give my three to, to Pascal as well for all the reasons that you said. And it's funny because during the win streak, you know, not even like just I'd say the season in general, since he's come back, he's really become um, he's not like a the, the face like like Fred is like he's not the first guy to speak or the go to person, but he has really been involved. And he talks a lot now, a lot more, I would say, than he used to. Uh, but, you know, he's always kind of spoken a lot, especially to the media. But he's, he's really become that dependable guy that you can get a quote from, that you that you can talk to after a game. Like after Denver, you know, he was just like, like terrible, terrible, terrible. Like he, he he's just, he's become, what's the word I'm looking for? He's just become dependable in that respect. So yeah. all the things that he's doing on the court, uh, he he's really, you know, stepped up in this leadership role. Um, so for, he's going to get uh, Pascal's going to get my three points. How about your two points? It gets this really it gets tough from here. Yeah. <laughs> get, yeah. I mean, like you could look at somebody like Gary Trent, who had 42 points the other night. Yeah. And then a few nights later, misses his first 11 shots. So oh. consistency was tough to come by this week. And that's why I'm going to go with somebody who, who did bring some consistency coming off the bench in Kem Birch. Probably the best basketball we've seen from him since he came back from injury. I thought he was really solid in the Denver game. It was was had the most success of any of the guys that they threw at uh Jokic um did a pretty nice job uh off the bench against New Orleans too all things considered uh, and just more than anything else it's it's good to see him back and and in the rotation and hopefully building some momentum and getting in rhythm here after what's been a really difficult year for him so two points from me for Kem Birch I like that yeah Kem is really when Kem is since his return, you really realize what you missed from Kem. Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Boucher for for my two. Yeah, you're right. It was pretty. It's it's kind of slim pickings here, but I like what Chris brings. Still like his tenacity to come in off the bench. Still love his energy. Really love that he's still, you know, he's accepted his role and he's not forcing things like we saw at the beginning of the year. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Chris. He's been pretty, pretty consistent across the bar uh, since he's turned things around for himself this season. And who's going to get your one point? Uh, I'm going to give it to Thad Young. Uh, as you mentioned, okay. he's been working for yeah. to stay ready for an opportunity like this. He comes in now. He's in like Raptors. Uh, school, sitting there in the classroom, learning all all the ins and outs uh, of the system, learning five different positions. Can't be easy, especially as he's still living out of a suitcase. So yeah. for that and coming in with uh, an open mind and, and really embracing this opportunity, wanting to be here, especially in a week where these points are tough to give out, one point for Thad Young. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. He's going to get my one point as well. Just for his disposition and his enthusiasm, you know, with the first time he spoke to the media last week, last Thursday, um, you can already feel that 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 veteran leadership that they're talking about is going to pay dividends. And you got to give it to the guy whose life has been uprooted. His family met him in New Orleans, and now they're going to go back to Dallas and kind of get things settled. He's going to have the all-star break to probably catch up and get up to speed with the Raptors. But he, he's had a lot on his plate, and I think he's been able to carry himself well this past week. And so he gets my one point. Well, I'm sure he's looking forward to the all-star break, as are the rest of the players. Hopefully not too much yet. They still got one game to play. But after the game tonight, they'll go their separate ways, many of them to warm climates, hanging out on the beach, getting some uh, Much-needed, well-deserved R&R before the unofficial second half of the season. But Fred Van Vliet, as we know, is off to Cleveland uh, after the game <laughs> tonight. A first-time All-Star. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what makes Fred Van Vliet Fred Van Vliet from 
his mom, one of the people that knows him the best as well as, as anybody. She's going to join us after the break as we talk to Susan Danforth, mother of Fred Van Vliet. That's coming up next here on the Raptors Beat. First up with Karolnik and Koliakovo. Weekday morning, 6 till 10 on TSN 1050. If you ain't first, you're last. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.ca slash save. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend... It's me, Connor! You're slaving me! The Raptors beat goes inside the locker room, bringing you the latest from your Toronto Raptors. On TSN 1050, the Raptors live here. Josh and Nikki back with you on the Raptors beat. Raptors are in Minnesota taking on the Timberwolves tonight at 8 p.m., a game you can watch on TSN. But you'll want to tune in early because premiering on the network at 7 p.m., it's Parlay Bet on Yourself, an original doc about Fred Van Vliet's inspiring story. We're looking forward to it. And we're going to celebrate Fred Van Vliet. Seems only fitting today. And who better to help us do that than his biggest fan, his mom, Susan Danforth, who joins us now. Susan, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. And congratulations not only on Fred's amazing accomplishment of being selected as an all-star, but also on the engagement. I'm sure this has been a very special time for you and your family. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We It has. <laughs> As if one well, thing well, wasn't good enough. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No, I'm just, we were just so excited for him. He was selected to be the all-star, and then he finished the week out with an engagement, and it was so beautiful and everything you could want. We, we saw Fred's reaction in real time as he was on the court warming up and, and heard, I believe it was from the fans, chanting his name as he found out that he was going to be an all-star. What, what was your reaction when you learned the news, and how did it compare to some of the other big accomplishments that Fred has already had in his young career? We watched it um, on TV, and we just started screaming, um, and that was a really big aha moment for me that um, it's incredible. It's hard to put into words. It absolutely is an incredible accomplishment when you think of all that he's gone through. Josh was just talking about the documentary that premieres tonight, Parlay, Bet on Yourself. And there was a clip that I was just watching this morning, and he's talking about you. Um how you never told him no is what he said. You know, he wasn't exactly um, disciplined because he was a pretty good kid. But when he came to you and said that he wanted to be a basketball player, uh, you never said no and you supported him. Uh, can you kind of take us back to the origins and to the beginning of it all when Fred told you that he wanted to be a basketball player? What was maybe you said no to him, but what was going through your mind at the time, Susan? And like, when did Fred fall in love with the game? Gosh, he must have been, well, they started playing in the bedroom and they just had, it was so much fun for them. And then, you know, eventually you graduate into the driveway and he's like, mom, this is what I want to do. I want to play basketball. And I'm just like, okay, okay. You know, I mean, that's what you do when, when they say they want to try a new sport. 
And it was really obvious early on that he was better than everyone. And the more he fell in love with the game, the more you just, I just kept feeding his passion. Because at that time, you know, um, it was just him and I and Darnell, and they were so sad. And you just did what I just did whatever I could do to keep them happy and to make them happy. And for just a little bit of time, you know, the world seemed to disappear for him when he was playing basketball, and we we just kept doing it. When did it become more than just a hobby? Like when did when did you see something really click in him to be like, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I do. Oh man, I felt it all along with him. To be honest, um, he was in elementary school, um, scoring more points by himself than the whole team other team that you would play against and so you just you just knew and you just got almost like sucked into the like you just believed he believed so much in himself that you couldn't not believe in him I love that yeah you you see that you see that from Fred obviously he exudes that confidence and that self-belief uh, he's always seemed like someone who's been mature beyond his years and Susan, I got to tell you, when he talks in the media, we absolutely love it. We gobble everything up he says because he's just so <laughs> thoughtful with with his uh, his intentions and and what he what comes out of his mouth. You know, he really means it yeah. and thinks about it. Um, has he always been that way? Has he always been this like old soul? He has. He has. I think um, he was always um, pretty quiet and thoughtful as a little boy, and then with the passing of his dad. It just really um, settled into him, and he just, he's always been this way. He, he's really taken on, Susan, he's really taken on a leadership role with this Raptors team pretty much from day one. I mean, even as a young player, but especially this year with Kyle Lowry moving to Miami, he is not only stepped into that role, but truly embraced it. And it's funny because whenever we've talked to, to him about leadership and it does seem like just based on that maturity that he's always been like that but he'll say no I he said a few times I, I used to be a jerk and it I mean it, it seems crazy <laughs> to us to think of Fred in that way I can't imagine him being a jerk um how have you seen his leadership grow over the years from being a young man and a young basketball player to where he is today gosh um He's not. He's telling the truth. That's for sure. <laughs> he didn't always embrace the role or have um, tact. Maybe, you know, um, he would just get so frustrated that the game has always moved at a different pace for him. That he would get so frustrated that others couldn't keep up with him. So I think that's more like we call him a jerk and you know, that he, you know, could have handled things differently. But mostly that was just like he was in his own head. Like, I can see this. Why can't you see this? Or this is the speed that the game moves for me. Why isn't it doing that for you? And then, you know, as he got older and he matured more, then he started to have a better understanding of that. And we kept, like, trying to explain to him, like, 
no one wants to play for the bad guy. You know, if you treat your um, teammates like crap, nobody's going to want to come back and play with you. You have to find a way to have common ground with them. I think another thing that makes Fred so likable is that he's just so relatable. Uh, of course, we all know his story of betting on himself and, and that draft night and the video and that speech that he gave. Can you take us back to that draft night? And, and what was it like in that moment when he wasn't selected and, and just being in that room? What, what were your emotions? Well, obviously, I was, you know, crushed for him. And um, you just look at your kid and everything that they, you know, we've worked so hard for and that you knew was coming in this moment, you just, you're sad for them because, like, as much as, as a mom that I have always believed in him, other people didn't share that same belief. And was there ever so a... Then, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, and then you just... Um, if you allow yourself to have feelings in that moment and then you just know like, okay, this isn't over. This can't be the end of your story. Let's get back to work. What are we going to do? And before we can even like process all of those things, then he got, you know, the opportunity to go to training camp for the Raptors. Joined by Fred's mom, Susan Danforth. And Susan, was there ever any doubt in that moment or in any other moment that Fred would find a way to break into this league and to achieve this level of success? There's always some doubt, right? Because every moment that you, that he came through and persevered, there was always an obstacle. But at some point along the journey, we just knew like your story is already written and we just have to follow the course and the way that it takes is because you, you know, you're just, you're destined to be there. When you look back on that journey, um, and there's still so much road ahead, right? But what's the first moment that comes to your mind, Susan? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> there's so many. It's a hard there's, question. There's so right? many, I know, I'm sure. It's a loaded question. There's, so there's no many. wrong answer, um, though. <laughs> no, I just think it was, you know, when we left him in Las Vegas for summer league, we knew that um, we didn't know when we left him where his, where he was going to fall within the Toronto Raptors organization. So it was when we landed and we turned our phones back on that um, it, all of our notifications just started going crazy that, I just sat on the plane and cried because oh. I knew at that moment that he had been signed and I hadn't even gotten to speak to him at that point. <laughs> he talked about right. that as well. We, we asked him the same question. What comes to your mind first when you look back on the journey? And he talked about going to bed every night in his hotel room in Toronto and just praying that he would make the team such a obviously special moment and crucial moment in his career, but for all of his many accomplishments on on the court, how proud are you of everything that he's achieved and is achieving off of the court? I mean, obviously, using his platform and taking a leadership role 
in the fight for social justice, the various initiatives, whether it be the scholarship or the business podcast, and just being an inspiration to people in general. Uh, as a mother, how does that make you feel? Unbelievable. Um, you know, sometimes I pinch myself like, did you really give birth to this incredible human being? You know, um, there's so much good that he does that um, I, I, he just continually surprises me with this thoughtfulness. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, considering all that he has going on, all that he has on his plate, you know, Fred is Fred, Fred is very, again, he's, his intentions, when we, they're, they're so pure whenever he, whenever he speaks. So, so tonight we get to see him. Uh, in a different arena, he's going to be on the on the screen in this documentary parlay. Bet on yourself. Uh, first of all, have you been able to to get a sneak peek? Have you seen it already, Susan? I have. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, he was saying how he was crying. I'm sure you were crying too. <laughs> all tears of joy, just the roller coaster of emotions of the journey. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to assume. So tell us what 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 were you feeling watching this and and. Uh, seeing your son tell his story. Oh man, I'm so proud of him. So proud of him. I cried. I laughed. <laughs> um, it's about as real as you can get. I'm, you know, he didn't hold anything back. Well, I understand that he wouldn't let the family travel to Oakland for game six <laughs> and the championship win. Right. So, <laughs> are you are you guys are you guys allowed to go to Cleveland this weekend to watch to we watch are, the All Star game? That's good. There's nothing stopping us from going to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susan, again, we we appreciate you taking the time. Um, enjoy this weekend, and please, for us, make sure that Fred really enjoys it too. I know it can be a whirlwind with all of the media and and being around um, the the league's best current and. and past players but fred absolutely deserves to be among that group and uh, and i hope he can really take the time to appreciate it but thanks again for coming on and, and hopefully we can do this again soon great thank you guys thanks susan there she is susan danforth uh great chat and insight Aww. into what makes fred fred and, and yeah again really looking forward to the doc tonight parlay bet on yourself an original doc about fred van vliet's inspiring story premiering on tsn at seven o'clock leading into raptors nuggets at eight and then much deserved all-star break for fred and, and for everybody on this team we're going to take some time look at all-star weekend and make our own picks and predictions how's fred gonna fare in the three-point competition who's gonna win the slam dunk and who is going to be the mvp of the all-star game nikki and i weigh in that's next on the raptors beat i've been against the odds my whole life oh, yeah. it's not gonna stop now. feeling good just bet on yourself why wouldn't you just bet on yourself you're you just bet on yourself time to bet on yourself don't be afraid to bet on yourself on tsn 1050 the raptors live here i got my money on me i, do. I bet on myself i can't expect them to check up on me gotta check on myself 
Welcome back to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki here with you. Getting set to wrap things up and Josh, all-star weekend. I know you are excited for this. For the break, maybe. Not so much for the all-star game. But, uh, <laughs> you no, said I'm it. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I love all-star weekend. Something about NBA all-star weekend, I've always been a fan of it. I always watch. Um, yeah, okay, the game, I get it. It's not highly competitive. There's no defense whatsoever. But but just something about, you know, the best and the brightest in the league getting together and just, just having fun. And I love seeing that. I love seeing the camaraderie uh, that we don't often get to see with these guys. Um, but let's start with some predictions, beginning with the skills challenge. Who do you think wins this? Team Atentacumpo, Team Cavs, or Team Rooks? Well, I can't say I fully understand the new format here, Maybe but um, I was hoping you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it makes more sense to me than the new format of uh, the rookie challenge, which I completely don't understand. But <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Team Rooks here. I think Scotty's going to bring okay. it home with Cade Cunningham and Josh Giddy. How about Josh Giddy recently? Um, the, the the what a rookie class. So I'm going to I'm going to say. As as much as it'll be fun watching the brothers Atatekumbo, I I think uh, Team Rooks take it here. Yeah, I, that was you? my gut too. Yeah, I was gonna go with Team Rooks, but I don't want to agree with you because it doesn't make for good radio. So I'm gonna go with Team Cavs, just the because they're the home team. team, the hometown team. Uh, Jared Allen sneaking in, sneaking in that uh, spot the all-star game but uh, i'm going to go with them okay uh the three-point contest this one is really interesting of course fred van vliet it will be participating in this uh, he said he's got to start practicing i suppose but he's questionable to play tonight's game hopefully he's practicing for that and for the three-point contest but who are you liking uh from this crop of three-point shooters well, I mean, it's a bit of a controversial take, I think, but this is my favorite event of All-Star Weekend, including the okay. game itself. I love the three-point competition, if for no other reason than, like, I mean, listen, the slam dunk is a little bit diluted every year in the sense that, I mean, going back way back, pretty much after the Vince Carter slam dunk competition, like, it's been a long time since we've seen the very best dunkers in that that contest because the vets don't want to do it. It's normally the rookies, and sometimes it, it ends yeah. up being great, like that All Star um, game in, in Toronto. Um, but a lot of the time, it ends up falling short. But the three point contest, generally speaking, you've got the very best shooters in the NBA competing, and that's the case again this year. Some really really good shooters, but listen. I have to be crazy to bet against Fred. People have done oh, it. Yeah. They've done it before. They bet against Fred, and it never works out. We know what happens when you bet against Fred, so I'm going to bet on Fred. I think Fred Van Vliet takes it. What about you? I feel like I can't say that I'm not going to go with Fred because this <laughs> is a Raptors show. We do cover the Toronto Raptors. Well, now that but... I said you'd be crazy to bet against Fred, but okay. I'm crazy. Call me crazy. I, I'm going I with love CJ it. McCollum. I'm going with CJ okay. McCollum in this one. He is uh, that he's a specialist in that department. Uh, Trey Young too. You're you're right though. This yeah. one this one is really this one is really exciting because you really get to see their athleticism. By the time they're you know on that second second last and and then that last card of balls, man, they are digging deep uh, to find their legs and, and, and you know get those balls to drop. But um, I'm gonna go. Patty Mills is my dark horse, by the way. Oh, okay. Sprinkle a little on Patty Mills, if you will. Then um, okay, so slam big dunk Patty Mills contest. fan. <laughs> Who is it? You just kind of uh, poo-poo the slam dunk contest. And, and you're right. I would say it lost. It's 
it's lost some of its allure throughout the years, especially yeah. when there was, I don't even remember which one it was, and they were allowing multiple tries, multiple tries. And by the time they're on their fourth and fifth try, you're just like, okay, guys, that done. Nate Robinson and, That's the one um, I was thinking, yeah. and Birdman Chris Anderson. Jeez, yeah, that was that was painful. You're just like, hey, yeah. I'm going home now. Um, but some exciting, some exciting when it's good, it's great. Sport. When it's right. not, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Did you like? Do you like props and costumes and all that being used? I like Dwight, do. I like Dwight not. Howard. No. I I mean okay. like every every once in a while I don't mind it. Like if it's gonna complement the dunk, if you're just doing it to do it, like if you're just throwing out random props and random costumes, and I, like the first time that. Somebody came out in a retro uniform. First time somebody wore like Vince's jersey. That's okay. Okay, you got the feels going a little bit, the nostalgia, but I just feel like it's overdone now. I just want to see something new, but it's tough because like yeah, a lot a lot has been done. Yeah. Nothing it, is it, nothing was as bad as the wheel though. Remember that when you had to spin the wheel and it would tell you which dunk you have to emulate. Oh no, I don't remember that. That was like that, that was bad. Hey, no, that was I, um, I skipped that year. <laughs> the league put the kibosh on that pretty quick. Yeah, well, you know, it, it is tough to come up with fresh ideas. I get that. Uh, Jalen Green, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano, Anderson. It's not just about athleticism, as we know, and execution. There, there's some creativity involved. So, who are you giving the edge to? Uh, no, no sleeper for me in in this one. I'm going to take the favorite. I'm going to go with Jalen Green. Jalen Green. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I was I was gonna go dark horsey. I'm gonna go Obi Toppin, for whatever okay. reason. Just because I don't. Again, I don't want to agree with you. <laughs> this is the, the theme is me not agreeing what with you. What fun is that? <laughs> There's no fun there. Okay, so the All Star Game itself. I, I'm curious what the over under is in points. First of all, uh, Team LeBron a, uh, a, a thousand. Uh, Team Durant, but it's not Kevin Durant. Um, who are you taking? I don't even remember who's on which team now, but I'm basically gonna... basically the uh, all the good players are on Team LeBron. That's how you right. know who's on what team, including <laughs> yeah. Fred VanVleet. Uh, team LeBron is loaded. I, he not a very good general manager in, in real life. No, just look no. at the the current iteration of the Lakers. But somehow he's a really good GM in these All Star games. I think he's undefeated as uh, as a captain. And he's got another really good team. So not only is Team LeBron going to win, but they're going to win by a lot. And okay. my MVP, let's see, LeBron is the favorite for obvious reasons. Games in Cleveland would be a pretty cool story. Then you've got Embiid, Giannis, Steph, Jokic, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. But I'm going to go off the board, and I'm surprised that it's so far off the board in terms of the odds. But how about the hottest player in the NBA right now? I think DeMar DeRozan is winning Oh, yeah. All-star MVP. I would love to see it. Nobody is playing better than him right now. He's on one. I know his game doesn't necessarily translate to the all-star just because he doesn't shoot the three. There's so much three-point shooting in the NBA these days. But Fundamental. Yeah, and he's got a lot of them. I'm going (laughs) to – I think he's going to put on a show. So give me DeMar DeRozan for all-star MVP. I like that. Okay, real quick. You mentioned that LeBron's going to be back in Cleveland. What do you think the reception is going to be like? Ooh, uh, it's, it's got to be positive, right? I think enough time has passed, right? Well, I mean, this isn't like that. After the first time he left, it would have been real, real bad. But sure. uh, no, I, th- I think <laughs> you win a championship for a team, they forgive and forget real forget. quick. Yeah. Um, but 
All-Star break coming, as we know. We're going to take the week off next week, so programming, no programming reminder, no show next week. We'll be back with you in our regular Thursday spot to begin March. March 3rd is our next show. In the meantime, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Subscribe and follow, rate and review. And we'll be back with you on March 3rd. On behalf of Chris Diavero back in studio and Nikki Reyes, thanks for listening.